Non-rock a boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy? Or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! Oh what? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. Well, I, got, yeah. I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. is Apologia Radio, another episode coming at you from Tempe, Arizona, which is getting hotter and hotter by the day. My car was overheating a little actually this morning. Uh, yeah, I did. I had to pull over and wait a second there. I got to find out what's going on with that. That's no boy. We're, yeah. we're like frogs in boiling water at this moment. Yes. It's water, uh, <laughs> water in the water. Do I remember your truck that overheated like every five minutes? Yeah. That's like pretty much every car I've owned. <laughs> I don't know Other what than it is. the one I have. Yeah. Well, usually it's not because it's so hot outside. It's because there's something wrong with your car. It's true. It's Just true. Just gonna throw that out there. Yeah. No. No. I need. I need to figure out what's up. But this what's is the up? time of year where you definitely don't come to Arizona to visit. And it was interesting because we actually had some people that came out to apologize. We actually have everyone visiting. Yeah. yeah. This next month. week. So. That's right. Well, that's true. Uh, yeah. So I take it back. Please come. Don't cancel the tickets. After the first week of June, it's bad. Yeah. It's really bad. It's still really nice at night, though. That's true. Nice right now, night. I'm still right now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, this time of year where, you know, I mean, you're, you're crazy. We have people from Sacramento, California came out. A whole group of people came out and spent like a week, and they were doing vacation in uh, Scottsdale. And uh, I was like, well, you know, it's not what I would have chosen to do. Uh, come to Arizona <laughs> at the end of May to uh, do a vacation. But uh, yeah, so uh, let me introduce real fast. I'm Jeff Durbin. They call me the ninja. That's Luke Pearson. Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> they call him the bear. Pier, pier. He's wearing Not a Benjamin, pear. a BB Warfield, yes, sir. BB Warfield shirt uh, from missionalwear.com right now. It's a beautiful shirt. They got some new stuff I saw. It's pretty, pretty hashtag dope. Yep, hashtag it, dope. Nice. And if you go to missionalwear and use the code Apologia, you get the sticker. Amen. The cool sticker. Hey, Warfield was a post mail, wasn't he? I believe he was. Yes, sir. Okay, so that's Joy the Girl. Mm-hmm. What's up, Are Joy? Are you going to comment on what I'm wearing? Uh, <laughs> you got a nice 90s. You look great. Nir- Nirvana. Joy? Flannel you look great. <laughs> Very grungy. Uh, and to my left, Nostradamus, of course. What is up? Wearing a beard on the nostrils Your here. Your beard looks good today, man. Thank you. Your beard is good. And, of course, we have on the back 
In the back on the ones and twos, Marcus, King Ginger, Pittman. I'm alive. Yes. Oh. We're going to talk <laughs> about that. We will, we will discuss we will that. definitely be talking about that. Uh, okay, I'm and sure. I'm sure you're not going to let me get away. I'm absolutely not. Okay. But uh, I'm, I'm, I love you. You know that I love you. But we, yeah. have, to, we have to bring it up. Yeah, okay. And uh, to my left right now in the studio is somebody new. Uh, never been on the show before, but he's listened to the show. And he is now um, our bond servant. Yes. <laughs> Oh, for yes. the next uh, six, six weeks. weeks. Yeah. And so uh, let's introduce him. This is Austin. And Austin, just so you know, give it time. Pastor Luke will find a name for you. Yeah. So you just got to give it a moment. Okay. But uh, let's go ahead and say hi to Austin. Hello, Austin. Welcome back. Howdy, howdy. Welcome I'm thinking, back. Welcome back. I'm thinking, welcome to the show. Yeah. Welcome to. Yes. I'm thinking Doulos. I was going to say that. Oh, great minds. Man, Austin, I like you already. Austin the Doulos. Yeah, I was already thinking that. I was just going to say that. I don't know. I think hey, it's kind of it. offensive. You might want to say bond servant. <laughs> we don't want to hurt feelings. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So let's we, see. Let's start calling that people are going to be like, he helps deliver babies. <laughs> a doula? A doula. Austin the doula? <laughs> All right. So uh, let me tell you about my, my Saturday. Last Saturday. An apology I, there, Will, anyways. <laughs> I was, um, you know, it's it's just sort of supposed to be, it never really is, but it's supposed to be a day off. Um, but uh, so I don't really, you know, everyone knows. What is sort that? Of, yeah, what is that? So everyone knows, like, okay, maybe leave Jeff and Luke alone on Saturday because, you know, time with family and those sorts of things. But sometimes stuff comes up, and that's okay. We're ready to go. But uh, this was interesting because Marcus never calls me on Saturday. And all of a sudden, I look at my <laughs> phone, and it says Marcus Pittman. And I was like, huh, I'm going to answer that because something must be up. There must be something going on. Maybe it's with her form con. Maybe the studio burned down. Maybe Marcus got lost. I don't know what happened. So pick up the phone, and it is instant panic, <laughs> instant catastrophe. Marcus, yes. got, Marcus, and me, and I, I, Marcus, I love you. So I just want to make sure everyone understands what okay. actually happened. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Marcus goes, Pastor Jeff, help! He's like, I crashed into the light rail. He's like, I think I'm going to jail. I was like, whoa, whoa. It's I was like, true. Okay, Marcus, hang on. What's what's going on? What's going on? He's like, I don't know. I hit the light rail and, and then the police and it's just a good jail. And then the jail. It was just just everywhere. And I was like, jail. I was like, okay, Marcus. Um, where are you? I'm coming right now. And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I'm in a glass box of emotion. He's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, okay, you got to tell me some sort of a landmark. Look around. Where are you at? He's like, I don't know. I'm on university. And I'm, I'm like, in well, jail. That, that runs all the way across Phoenix into Mesa and then like lands at a mountain. So where on university are you right now? And he finally gives me some sort of an idea. So I hop in the car and I fly to Tempe and praise God. You actually drove to Tempe. I, I could not miss what Marcus had done. Did you get a picture? I did not. Is there cause, footage? Because I love Marcus and I, we're laughing no about footage. it. We're laughing about it now, but I was, Marcus, really, I was really worried about him. You realize this is completely wasted now because you got no footage. I know. Yeah. I know. So, um, you know, we're joking about it now. I was worried about him. But I'll apologize uh, to Rebecca later. A rural and university I actually is where he was for at, an article. near the dorms. <laughs> Me too. And uh, so I, I, I turn left, and all the traffic is stopped. There's police cars. There's a tow truck. And right at where the light rail crosses university by rural and uh, university, that's where Marcus uh, struck the light rail. What's that? You got something gonna, for it? Okay, yeah. okay. So Marcus struck the light light rail, and uh, he was he was safe. I, I didn't know what to expect. Right, trolley. 
Neighborhood of make believe. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. So, I, pull, I pull into this parking lot. All Mr. traffic Rogers. stops. Awesome. I, I, you know, when you when you get a call from somebody that says that they think they're going to jail. Yeah, right. it's pretty serious. You expect right. to see some serious business. Yeah. His car was basically fine. I mean, the front passenger side was a little bit crushed in, and, you know, they, it was, he, was, he was fine. And uh, thank God everybody got away safely. But, Marcus, why don't you tell everybody what you did? That's, this that's music the important is amazing. Thank you. You told him I, I hit a light rail. Yeah, but how did this he, exactly happen? Because here's the thing if somebody's a regular listener, just yeah. real fast, if they're a regular listener, they know that on last week's episode, it was last week's, yes. It was last week's episode. We had a specific conversation about, about driving. never driving with Marcus. Yes, right? that's and right. And then now if they listen to this next episode, <laughs> yes. now yeah. they're going to understand why we said yeah. that. They were like, oh, they're so mean to Marcus. I just... Uh, and explain what the light rail is, too, because we have a lot of people that might be like... It's a train. What is it? Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. it's like a, a it's lesser... A train. It's a slow-moving train. A lesser train. It's a lesser. It's a lesser <laughs> of the trains. Thank God it's a slow-moving train. It's uh, Yeah, so I just... Uh, I was my brother was in town and his wife and uh, I think I left the studio at four in the morning and I woke up at like nine to meet them for coffee and I just wasn't paying attention and just went right under the guardrail that tells you a train's coming. Yep. And just yep. Just heard a smack on my car. Wait 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 wait. I haven't done these details with you. So you heard a smack? You didn't see it coming? No, I just oh, heard gosh. a smack. Whoa, that and, makes it even better. You didn't even know it was coming. I was just... No wonder yeah, you were just, so panicked. You didn't even have time to look at it in and like... Zone. I, I pictured a whole scene where you're in the car and all of a sudden, ding, 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 the things go down. You're like, no, no, That's what I pictured, no. And yeah. you look over and you're like, ah! And then, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I pictured. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty instantaneous. It was oh, my goodness. smack and train. So, Luke, enjoy. <laughs> just real quickly, I have to just say, this story is so entertaining right now because for once... Jeff is not the actual one, like exaggerating a narrative. So yeah, you, Jeff, yeah, you under under exaggerated. So. Right? Did yeah. I? Right. Yeah. Did I? I like to be animated. He's animated when when I tell the stories. Uh-huh. It's not so much exaggeration, but I get into character. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A character that is exaggerated. Yeah. <laughs> Captain but. Exaggerate. All right. Oh, so, so so I I just uh just so you know like you just shouldn't drive with me. Yeah. This is true. <laughs> no, no, it's true. That's the moral of the story. When we make plans for travel, Wait, we so always... when you say you went through the little blockade that tells you the, the train's Like coming. the arm yes. came down. Yeah, so you didn't stop when you hit that? Or... No, I did stop when I hit that. But it was too late. But I, I probably should have, on you know second thought, just kept driving. That's the problem. You, you is realize, that I Marcus, if, if we try to recapture <laughs> this it. moment in time by filming it and doing like a little skit with it, you realize, of course, that we would have to add some some exciting elements to it. Like I want like the arms to come down, and yeah. I want like the the heart beating, boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 and then, like looking around. I'm gonna see other people's faces in the cars right. looking around, and yeah. oh my gosh, get off the tracks! Yeah. And then are you looking. Ah, yeah. then the train comes and gets you. That's right. what I want. I mean, well, thankfully nobody was hurt on the train or yes. anything. So yes, and you weren't really, hurt either. So no, I wasn't. I actually good. got right up. I didn't even have whiplash or nothing, so it wasn't as bad as it. Could I didn't have, been. have whiplash or nothing. Ain't nobody got so, time for that. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, yeah, but oh, have, Jesus, there's a train. It could have been viral. Your reaction was, yeah. I don't yeah. know. If you would have had time to pull out your phone and start recording, I'm about to get hit by a train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally would have been worth it if yeah. I recorded myself. Yeah, that's true. Look at me, I don't read signs. But I probably would have ended up in prison. <laughs> is it is it yeah. safe to right. say that it's a universal truth that you should never ride in a car with Marcus? Okay, so I was, or let him drive? So I was talking to the Chocolate Knox about this incident. And he told me that I'm forever banned, uh, but forever, if I ever come to Moscow, I'm forever banned of ever driving his children anywhere. That's even, a good plan. E- even if it's an emergency. That's a good plan. <laughs> this actually... <laughs> he said I never. said that too. I'll call an ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> call an ambulance. Especially if there's an emergency call because you're really distracted. Then it's two emergencies. Yeah. So, what are you saying? One emergency is that your kids are in my car and I'm, I'm driving. I'm saying if there right. is an emergency that requires an ambulance, if I was to have you drive, there would most likely be a second emergency. No, it, it's so a guaranteed just second skip emergency. The middleman. If we were out, <laughs> if we were out somewhere like doing evangelism and a guy pulled a gun and shot me and I'm like bleeding out, yeah. Mark is like, get in the car. I'd be like, nope. Call an Uber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> call the Uber. He's like, get out of the car, Jeff. Like, call an Uber. I'll be fine. This actually brings up a possible dilemma. Okay. Because Marcus and Carmen are supposed to be going to Moscow in a few weeks. Um, are they renting a car? Do we allow Him to Carmen a- to ride in a car with Marcus driving? I'm not even sure. Well, do we take on the... <laughs> Responsibility. <laughs> you definitely as get the, the insurance. Church, like that liability of allowing Marcus to drive a rental car. How, Mar- hey, Carmen, how old are you? He can't drive yet. You're 16? You get your driver's license. Can't you get your driver's license when you're 16? <laughs> you'd, you'd have a 16 year old who doesn't even have his driver's yes. license. Really? Yes. yes. You've got yes. a really? He has a permit. <laughs> yes. You have a permit, don't you? you no. Carmen, shoot. have you ever hit you a light be rail? 20, you got to be 25 to drive a <laughs> rental car. Maybe, oh my goodness. Maybe we should just Uber everything. Maybe that's a good idea. <laughs> you should you should Uber everything, Marcus. It's a college town. Maybe you should. <laughs> everything. It actually would be cheaper to have you Uber everywhere than, <laughs> than to have to pay They're crashing insurance. into trains all the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There's uh, that Jeff we know. Yeah, there you go. Just that exaggeration. Like war- <laughs> <laughs> There'd be like a statewide warning sent out to like all the light rail drivers in Moscow, Idaho, or just in all the state of Idaho. I don't Idaho. think they have light there's rail there. No light rails in Moscow, have, Idaho. Okay, they're safe. They have what you call freight trains. <laughs> That's a business right freight. there, private yeah. business. The freight train freight, is something you don't just like delicately range. hit. Yeah. <laughs> there's no coming back from like, getting hit by a, a freight so, train. So thankfully, I'm not going to jail. I, I just got citations. I don't even have to appear in court. Praise so. God. Praise God. Yeah, Marcus said he was. He he got a real sense of fear of the government that day. Yeah, well, we were talking. We were like, man, like Romans it's, thirteen. It's a, it's amazing how quickly like your life could could be over. Right. You know what I mean? Like the government could just throw you in prison for a long time. And just, you, yeah, if you hurt somebody, it, yeah, yeah, if you would hurt somebody. But in biblical law, uh, there's there's you know if it's a genuine if it's a genuine accident, there's grace. The government grants grace for that. Yeah, but not our our government wouldn't have done that. So. How would biblical <laughs> law handle Marcus's little? Uh, Crash into the light rail. <laughs> harmony, make harmony. If anyone can pay for everything, make it pay for everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, they, well, it, that's what that is happening. That's what right. insurance is doing. Yeah, so yeah. Everything's exactly. being handled privately. Yes, uh, that's so, good. That's good so, stuff. Yeah, it's good. It's, that's good. It's grace. So, all right. So here we go. Movie trivia of the '90s. Before we start today, what do you guys say? So I was gonna actually think to do movie trivia of the '80s, but because there's so many babies. 
at the table, I thought that might not be very fun because I didn't know if you guys would be able to actually get any of the answers. I don't know. Maybe. Joy. Maybe. Joy probably could. She watches a lot, she watches a lot of TV. Austin. I don't know. <laughs> that could Austin. just seem like a rude thing. She watches TV all the time. Awesome city. <laughs> no one watches TV. <laughs> she doesn't do anything else. <laughs> um, all right. So here we go. Let's do movie trivia. Oh, there's actually a 70s and 80s option. Maybe we'll get to that. All right. So here we go. Um, you have to say ding. Oh, all right. So okay. if you, if you know the answer, you say ding. Oh, is that how And then we'll see if you get it. Don't just blurt it out like some sort of yeah. caveman. Yeah, exactly. You say ding. <laughs> okay, ding. All right. Movie trivia of the 90s. Uh, let's see here. So, uh, oh, this is a good one. I like this one. How fast did the bus in the movie Speed need to go in order not to blow up? Ding. Uh, I hated that movie. You said ding. Okay. 80 miles an hour. What's that? 80 miles an hour. No, the speedometer could not go below 50. You could Man. not go Man, below. You were way off. Could not go below fifty. All right, here we go. Uh, who ordered? Oh, I like this one. Who ordered the code red in A Few Good Men? Oh shoot! You need the character's name, or yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> who ordered? Did you order the code red? Well, I know it. And then he blasphemes and says, the, real name. "Are you talking about the Mountain Dew?" No, no, no. Who ordered the code red in A Few Good it's Men? Jack Nicholson. Okay, yes. But I can't remember his character's name. Uh, well, what branch of the military was he in? Army. Well, if I'd known the truth about you this... You with the wrong Marine! Oh, he's a Marine. I, it's been a while since I watched but it. But if I knew the truth about that fact, I wouldn't be able to handle it. There you go. Uh, da, 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 I see da. what you did there. Okay, yeah. Colonel Nathan P... I, I thought it was Nathan R. Jessup. Oh, Jessup, that's right. You can't handle the truth. Okay, Um. here we go. What was Shoot. the print left on the car in the boat in the movie Titanic, I should add, after the sexual immorality? Wait, uh, say that ding. again? Ding. Joy has it. I a hate hand this movie. Print? Well. A handprint. Ding, 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 ding. So, so far, Joy has... You would know that movie. Joy, Joy has <laughs> one point. What do point. you mean I would know it? I loathe that movie. Okay, here we go. So Next. do I, actually. Oh, uh, uh, let's see here. My I wife have no, I, I don't even know what this is. Uh, I don't think uh, Jeff okay. does either. Uh, okay, here we go. Ready? Um... <laughs> What does Michelle remember? Whoever did this needs to work on their grammar. What does Michelle remember the formula for in Romy, Romy and Michelle's high school reunion? Never saw it. Never saw it. I've, I've seen it, but I have no idea. Okay. Real, real quick story in Titanic, the time when, when that one guy fell off <laughs> and hit the rudder. Titanic. <laughs> I laughed. You I do it was really funny. Oh, when and he fell? People, and people got mad at me when the guy fell and bounced off against the rudder. Yeah. Back in the day. That's cold-blooded. What what was the name? Unintended. Of they are cold. Mia in the water. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it Mila or it's Mia? Mia Javakovic's character in the Javonovich? fifth element. Lilu. Lilu. Ding 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 ding. Oh, I don't think I saw ding. that either. You didn't say ding. Does not count? Ding. You didn't say ding. You weren't you didn't supposed say, to just shout it out. Ding. What gotta is? Say, gotta say ding. <laughs> oh, All right, here we go. Ready? Here, and this one, I think, probably, I'm, I'm guessing Joy would probably get first. I don't know why I think that. Okay, in Jumanji. <laughs> A stampede is released. What is the slowest animal? Ping. Oh. A rhino? Yes! Good job. Nice. How did I see? I knew I was right. It wasn't even offensive. Nice. All right. Who was the sponsor for the TV show Wayne's World? Oh, I oh, should know shoot. this. Okay, ding. Yes. Noah's... Arc arcade. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Joy, Joy is killing it. It's a good thing Gabe's not on this. Joy right now. Gabe would has be three points. So everybody else, Jerry has one. Everyone else zero. Does that, I get half a point? Noah's Ark arcade for Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. arcade. Noah's oh. arcade. Is that gonna be part of the Ark Encounter? Oh, that'd be awesome. 
Who did Leonardo DiCaprio play in the movie Titanic? Ding. Ding. I'd say Joy was first in that one. Go ahead. Jack? Jack what? Oh. Sparrow? That's all I'm thinking now. Uh, oh, shit. Let's see. I'll, I'll give an opportunity. Oh, to- Dawson. Dawson. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there you go. Jack Dawson. Why are all these about the... the these are it's, well, it's I mean, so, not all of so them, good. two of them. We need to do um, 80s because this isn't fair. All right. Uh, who? Uh, I'm not this, I haven't watched like, any of these movies. <laughs> Here we go. Who was the Latin bombshell that played Selena in the Selena bio picture? Bing. I think it was here yeah, first. Well, I right? said it first. I'm about to jump the table. I'd do anything for Selena's. <laughs> what? That's like the, my favorite line from that movie. I, did, what you, <laughs> I had to watch it in Spanish class. Oh, yeah. I see. Me but too. you have a favorite line. All right, so. here we go. Next That's one. the only line I remember. What was, <laughs> Adam, it was ridiculous. What was Adam Sandler's occupation in Big Daddy? Don't forget oh, to say shoot. date. Oh, man. I can't remember. All right, next one. Here we what go. Was it? If you don't get this one, I'll be sorry. Oh, you got to answer the question, Jeff. Oh, sorry. My bad. Sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> I apologize. A toll booth worker. Toll booth oh. Willie. Toll booth Willie. Remember that? Uh, don't, don't listen to that. Uh, yeah, I don't, don't listen to that, guys. Yeah, I listened to that when I was unsaved. So Very forgive me vile. for knowing. Forgive me for knowing. Okay. In the movie Office Space, what item did Peter pull from the rubble? Ding. Yes. Was it the red stabler? That's right. Yeah, I knew Where's it. Carmen? Knew it. I totally knew it. Yeah. Can you let them? Mark I Carmen got is I got, Carmen. I got two points Have you seen now. It yet? Up. You're the red stapler guy. And I was told with the party radio, if we did the <laughs> trivia, that it would be there because that is the thing that said that. That's actually really burn, good. I'm about to go and burn the studio down. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right. Here we go. In another... Um, not, oh, by the way, 90s Wait, were you movie. being Carmen or the guy from Office Space? <laughs> Milton, man. Ni- 90s movies... Classic right here for real, and it's coming out again. And I'm oh, actually gosh. really excited to see it. I have to say, it. you guys might be hating, but I'm actually really excited to see it. Okay, in Independence Day, yeah. what does Will Smith yell as he blasts off in the spaceship? Ding. Yes, I gotta get me one of these. Hey, man, there you go. Good that job. Was really, a really good ghetto accent. I gotta get me one of these. I got to get me one of these. All right, here we go. Let's see here. Da, 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 I'm da, all about da, accuracy. Da, da, da. Oh, this, <laughs> this is a hard one. This is a hard one. We'll this is a tough one. Oh. But but you but I actually remember it. Who pulls Wayne over in Wayne's world? A police you, officer. Yes, but wh- what? Where is that police officer from? What famous film is that police officer Ding. from? Yes. Uh, Terminator Two: Judgment That's Day. That's right. Jerry wow. got it again. One thousand. There you go. So as of right now. We have Joy at four, Luke at two, Jerry yeah, at three. Two and, and I think oh, I would think two and, and a half. On. <laughs> two and a half. Here we go. And he actually, in it, he holds up, and when he pulls him over, he says, excuse me, have you seen this man? And it's a picture of John, have you seen this person? It's a picture of John Connor. And he freaks out, wow. if I'm not mistaken. In the movie, well if I'm not mistaken. In the movie, next Friday. I definitely did not oh, see God. that. What? what is the name of the vicious dog? Marcus. Chico! <laughs> Your mom. All right. So the rest of these aren't even that really, they're not even really that impressive. So what I'd like to do is just a quick one before we go to break, having some fun today. Starting off, let's uh, let's do let's do uh, let's do some '80s movie trivia. Yeah, let's do some '80s. Just just because I want to see how well you guys do. Let me make sure I get to the answers here first. So uh, da, da, da. okay, here we go. So, ooh, oh, I actually at least I'm already more excited about these. Okay, here we go. What? Um, I'm gonna, 
Okay, I'll ask. Okay. <laughs> what special talent did Molly Ringwald have in the Breakfast Club? Oh. Ding. Yes. She could tie the cherry with her tongue? No. Was that it? No, 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 no. Wait, I know what it is. I know what it is. She could put... Uh, can I say this? Yeah, you can say it. She could put lipstick on with when the lipstick her was chest. in between her chest. Chest. Yes. So this she is totes and approved. So five, well, that's just what she did. Okay, here we go. What well, okay. This is her talent. It's her talent. What can you okay. say? What, you I know. told you she was going to do good on go. the 80s. How many Nightmare on Elm Street movies were made in the 80s? How many? Oh, in the 80s? Yes, in the 80s. How many total are there? I think there's like seven. Oh, gosh. Anyone um, else want to take a shot? Yes. Ding. One. I would say in the 80s, maybe three. Two? Nope. <laughs> you can't keep going until you get the answer. I've, I've never seen Anybody it. Anybody else? I'll give you five seconds. One. Made in the 80s. One. You've said like every number except the number. Seven. <laughs> Six. Six. Five. <laughs> Dang it. I've never ever seen All any right. of those movies. If you guys don't get this, shame on you. In Empire Strikes Back, what was chewing on the power cables of the Millennium Falcon while Han Solo and company were hiding inside the asteroid cave? Ding. Yes. Acid reflux. Acid reflux. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> They're in his stomach. That's, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, sarcastic. I wasn't really trying. Minox. Minox. Okay. Uh, ooh, so okay. shame on all of us. Here we go. So shame on us for that one. The, the I'm sorry. Most, the most disliked he didn't know it either. movie trailer in the history of the world. Ghostbusters. Which, in reality, <laughs> is only like the last like 100 years. Okay. Yeah. And really, since YouTube, yeah. so the last 15 years, um, or whatever. Um, what was the license number on the Ghostbusters car? Oh, man, I can see it. The new Ghostbusters trailer is the most disliked trailer of yeah. anything in history. Of any trailer in history. Uh, what was the license number on the original Ghostbusters car? Marcus, come on. I can see it. Marcus. I, I, I have it on the tip of my tongue. I just can't You better not be in there looking at no computer. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah you same. have the tip it on your IMDb app. No, He's I, like, I'm I got not. it on the tip of my smartphone right now. I no, I, I'm not. Oh, I don't I know. I can't, I can't think of it. What was the license number on the Ghostbusters car? Is it a... Uh, <gasps> Ecto one. Oh. Okay, here we go. In Back to the Future, see everybody knows these. You can't not know these. In Back to the Future, where did Doc Brown get the plutonium? Plutonium. That's my favorite, by far my favorite element from the future. I like plutonium. No, this is fun to right. say. Oh. How's your plutonium? Good, thank oh, you. Oh, he got he got it from uh, some drug dealers. Oh, hold on. No. Where did he get the plutonium to power the time traveling DeLorean? Think about it, guys. White suits, mall parking lot. They come in a van. It was the they drug shoot dealers. Them up yeah, down by the river. Weren't drug dealers? Were they terrorists? Remember, Doc Brown Terry. says it's the, it's the, <laughs> it's the <laughs> Libyans. Oh. Yeah, it's the Libyans. Marcus got a point. Wow, I did. I Good did. job. Now I remember that. All right, here we go. In Empire Strikes Back, when the ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi... J Jerry, you're not even in the game right now. Okay. Is it <laughs> a spoiler? I'm watching you him You just cheat. gave a spoiler. It, you, Empire, gave, you gave a spoiler, Jeff. What? Because Jerry's got three points. He can win this thing. You, you just gave a spoiler. No, George's In Empire Strikes Back, when the ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi spoiler said... Spoiler alert! 
Why oh, is that a spoiler alert? Because Obi Wan dies. In case Dude, nobody's like seen any. Old. I know, but you it's gotta, not too it's soon. Not a spoiler. Shame on anybody. It's not too <laughs> soon to be talking that. about this. In Empire Strikes Back, when the ghost of Obi Wan Kenobi said that Luke was their last hope against the Empire, who was Yoda referring to when he said, "No, there is another"? Uh, your mom. The seagulls. <laughs> flock Remember of seagulls. The, no, I'm talking about the. Hey, you, uh, flock of seagulls. The. Uh, the uh, bad lip reading <laughs> when Yoda's like walking, walking, <laughs> uh, rocking, Princess Leia, Princess Leia. Down to the beach. I was rolling. gonna say Princess Leia, but did they ever really establish that it was her? I, Isn't I, there I, some like nerd fandom probably. out there that okay. says maybe it was someone else? Next one, and you should know this one. What does Ali Sheedy use to decorate her picture in the Breakfast Club? Hair gel. Lipstick. Shampoo. Andrew. Her hair. Everybody it's listening dangerous. right now is so ashamed of you. Come on, guys. Picture it. She's sitting there with the legs crossed, and she's rubbing her head. And Dandruff. Dandruff. Very good. Luke has I three. Said that. Did you say You got to say ding. Oh, ding. Gotta, I didn't Luke hear you. didn't say ding. Jerry, right. Jerry come on, ding. I didn't say Jerry, ding. Jerry. All right. Now, this one I, I, don't, I, I know is popular. I'm not a big fan. In Dirty Dancing... I what definitely was, did not ever see Baby's this. What was Baby's real name? I remember. Every, that's why I didn't watch that movie, because every time I saw a clip of Patrick Swayze saying, Baby, calling the girl Baby, like that wasn't, he wasn't like, like when you say like to your wife or sweetie or or, or like, bib. Babe, or bib. Bib, we need, bib. We, yeah, we need it Summer It was like her name. He's like, Baby. Hey, we need I a. I definitely <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. Hey, we I need, never saw that we movie. We need Summer on because she would be able to answer pretty much any question about the movie Dirty Dancing. That's, huh? her, that's her movie. Okay. Huh? All right. All right. Here we go. Ready? So uh, what was the answer? Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, Francis. Oh. Francis. Oh. Francis like the Breakfast Club. What they did need to Brian, get some different movies. What did Brian Seriously. try to kill? Are you guys crazy? That's the quintessential. No, I'm just saying all the questions have been like Star Wars movie, or Breakfast though. Club. In the Breakfast Club, what did Brian try to kill himself with? I've never seen this movie, Jeff. Are you serious? Marcus. Yeah, I've never seen this movie. This has been a long time yes. since I've saw it. A flare gun. A flare gun. Joy gets it with the flare gun. Joy has six right now. She's winning. All right, just a couple more. Ooh, this is a twenty-minute trivia Hold segment. Now, this is really is. good. The next ones are really good. <laughs> it definitely I, 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 want, I want to see who I'm knows okay this. With it I'm winning. Yeah, she's There's winning. Uh, Captain Fun again over there. Oh, this one's a hard one. Let's see if you know it. What is the name of Sarah's brother? That she is trying to save in the labyrinth. Oh, David Bowie. I I don't know. Oh, I don't even know that. Who is in space? Have you seen the labyrinth? Me, when I was little, little. Oh wow, that's a good one. Yeah, I know. Right. Okay, and this David Bowie. Anybody? It's been a while. Anybody? Toby. 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 All right, last one, and let's see if. Uh, oh, yeah, that's good. Okay, uh, what? Not very good aliases did Bill and Ted give their historical figures when introducing them all to Missy. P.S. Do, do you know? I know I one. What? Socrates. Very good. Socrates. That's, <laughs> that's the only one I know. What I'm yeah, saying. This is not fair. Uh, just, using all these trivia when I was homeschooled and sheltered locked in my basement as a kid. Yeah, I wasn't even alive. For a lot of these. Yeah, so. sorry, Jerry. You're <laughs> hey, did like, you guys I just, know? I just watched Breakfast Club for the first time like a year ago. Next time, it was, next it was time, okay. Next time, do television trivia. Television and trivia. I'll crush it. Okay, crush you crush it. it. So what was the other answer? Uh, well, there was a there was a bunch of them actually. I was gonna see which ones you could get. Oh. There was uh, 
Uh, Sigmund Freud was Dennis Freud. Uh, Joan of Arc was Maxine of Arc. Genghis Khan, Bob Genghis Khan. Uh, Beethoven was Dave Beethoven. Abraham Lincoln is uh, Abraham Lincoln. Um, so did you guys know that they're actually doing a new Bill and Ted's? Seriously? Why would they they're, do that? They're filming a new Bill is and Ted's. Is it a reboot or is it like when they're older? Uh, it's they're older, so it's them. It's the original actors. Oh. Well, they're come not, across they're not using a female version of No, thank I'm the, all the over Lord. Uh, hey, man, just real fast. Billiana this is just fun fact. Did you know that they actually filmed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure right here in Arizona? Yeah, you told me that not yeah. too long ago. Yeah, the uh, the Circle K, where they the original scene uh-huh. happens, is, is actually only about 10 minutes from here. It used to be right around the corner from my apartment. I used to go there all the time, just to be like, "What? Look, I grew up <laughs> in this, like watching this thing." Wow! Yeah, and, uh, didn't they film? Uh, didn't uh, they film Raising Arizona here too? Probably yes, they did. Probably it did take they place did. in Arizona. So right, I know I that they going, did. I was. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm with you. Uh, all right, guys. So we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about today. We are going to talk about ReformCom. We're going to talk about the deity of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about. Wait Joe. for a second. We should talk about who just won that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Dag. Joy the girl Dag. always wins. She has all of our points put together. <laughs> she always wins, except when we call stores. No, then I really win. Then, I, then you do not win. I especially win. All right. You so, know the rebooting MacGyver? Yeah. All I heard these, that. These are just I'm pretty stupid. excited about that. So, uh, lots of talk about today, guys. We're going to try to fill you guys up with some stuff on the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ being God. We're going to talk about Joe Boot. And the TV show we are about to record with him and his book, The Mission of God. We're going to talk about his debate with a two-kingdom advocate. Uh, Just a moment, guys. We're going to have some fun and uh, talk about some theology and apologetics. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for sharing, letting people know. You guys can get more at apologiaradio.com, A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A radio.com. Get some past episodes. I'd be willing to bet if you asked a question, we've probably done a show on it or at least talk about something related to it for a bit, for a minute. So go back, look through the archives, check it out, guys. Share with your, your brosifs. That's all. Okay. Let people know. Just do all right, it. guys. Be right back. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia. Radio at ApologiaRadio.com want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond, I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. Apologiaradio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, 
beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall. Protect your manlyhood. An epic combination of manliness and manhood. If you are hearing this today, there is hope for your beard. Go to yukonsbeard.com and enter the code APOLOGIA and you can save some money while you save your face. Just have trivia thrown at you like that. I think you did pretty good. I'm impressed. And those were actually, you know, I think a little too easy. Yeah. It picked it too, just like, what, we have Back to the Future and like the Breakfast classics. Club and, you know. Some of the questions were difficult questions, though. If it was Goonies. Oh, I'd be all over that. You'd be all over that? Do you know they're making a new Goonies? Oh. At least that's what they've said for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> they say. Why can't I, really it? It. Who are they? I hope it never happens. Everyone? Why? Because it would ruin it? Right. Yeah. Why do they keep trying to remake these movies? Like the awesome. new Ghostbusters? Gonna ruin the whole situation. Right. Why couldn't they just... I mean, Ghostbusters is like that's a one of my top five when favorites. You, when you realize that you Don't have... Don't do it. Yeah. Donald Trump and Hillary as the front nominees, and Ghostbusters in a couple weeks will be the number one movie in the country. Like, because people are just going to go see that. Like, that just trifecta is going to be very... I'm going to have to really, really wait on the Lord that weekend. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait you're Lord. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Let's uh, let's do this uh, for this this uh, segment. Let's talk about uh, well, quickly Reform Con. Don't want to forget to talk about that. Neglect to talk about Reform Con. Important stuff. Reform uh, Con is happening actually right now. Uh, yeah, as people are listening. Uh, as to as this. you're listening to this, Reform Con is ha- Reform Con is happening. And here's the thing: you guys can be with us right now in watching Reform Con, being a part of it. You just go to reformcon.org. What? Slash live. Slash live. <laughs> Reformcon.org slash live. And you guys can get the live stream. And when you get the live stream, you guys also get a free month of Apologia All Access. So you get all the content, all the TV shows, all the after shows, all the academies, everything actually we do. You participate with us in ministry by doing this. You're helping us actually do Reformcon to make it a thing. And you get to get all the content. Dr. Scott Oliphant, Darren Doan, Nate Wilson, James White, John Sampson, myself, Luke Pearson, uh, Marcus Pittman. Uh, it's just, it's going to be fantastic. Also, you get to get to uh, hook up and watch uh, the live editions of the Reform Pubcast and Apologia Radio, our Q&A, all that stuff's going to be available for you guys. Live stream, you guys go to reformcon.org slash live, and you guys can hook up with us and be a part of all that's happening. Um, so yeah, that's what's up. You excited, Marcus? Sorry, what'd you say? Are you oh excited, Marcus? <laughs> Are uh, you scared? About ReformCon? Yeah. 
Oh, I think it's going to be great. I want you to do something real fast to give everyone a taste because uh-huh. it's really important. Okay. And eventually they're all going to see this. And uh, I'd like you to talk for a second about your specific talk because it's exciting to me. And I know you're excited about it. You've been working really hard on preparing that message. Yeah, well, we talked about it last week, but we didn't get, like, because I didn't discover all the stuff about Samuel Morris. The new stuff, yeah. I want you to talk about that real yeah. fast. So, like, when I'm preparing this talk that basically talks about how God uh, blesses the nations with technology and communication throughout history. And so the premise is that from the Tower of Babel until Jesus ascended into heaven... There was like a 3,000-year supernatural suppression on technology and all the earth. Technology. Technology. Yeah. So, so, so there was that. And then so paper was invented in 105 AD, and then eventually it got to the Christians, and the Christians took over, and the printing press was made. And I was trying to figure out, how do you make the jump to say that Christians are responsible for like cell phones and digital communication? And it was really bugging me because, like, in my heart and based on scripture, I thought this has to be true. Like, because everywhere else in history, there's been a mass explosion of communication and media. It's been because Christians have been involved. The worldview, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I really want to take credit for the cell phone. <laughs> like, I really want to figure it out. And so I, I went to Samuel Morris, who invented the telegraph, and I just did a basic Wikipedia search. Uh, not that Wikipedia is reliable when it comes to Christian stuff, but usually if it mentions Christianity, it's probably true because it, because it, it doesn't really distort the basics of a position. And so it said on the Wikipedia page that he was a Calvinist. And I was like, what? Samuel Morris was a Calvinist? That's crazy. I never heard that in public school ever. Really? And, yeah. <laughs> and so his dad is Jedediah Morris and was Jedediah. and was taught at Yale oh, University. Gosh. Oh gosh. And was taught at Yale University by uh, John Jonathan Edwards. And so they were postmillennial in their view and outlook. And uh, and so what happened was uh, Samuel Morris was a painter. He was a modern day like Steve Jobs. He was an artist and an inventor, or or like they they call him America's America's Da Vinci. And so he was out painting a portrait, and he got this letter in the mail, and the letter said, hey, uh, your wife died, and by the time you get this letter, the funeral will already be done. And so there's no reason for you to come back. We've already handled everything here. Wow. So continue your business and return when you're ready. And it really bothered him that he wasn't able to get note that his wife was even sick. And so it just haunted him all his life, and... Eventually, his friends were talking about this newfangled technology called electricity, and they were saying, "You can, no matter how much cable that you use, uh, the speed that the electricity travels is exactly the same." And so he said, "Well, what about communicating? Can we communicate with electricity?" And they just looked at him like he was crazy and was like, "Oh, I don't know, whatever." And he was instantly like out of the conversation and. He he, the the writer that I, I think it was his his son said he was in an ocean of thought at that moment, huh. and he left and, and he hit a light rail and he went to New York and he started working on the, uh, or he went back to the United States and he started working on, on the telegraph and he invented the telegraph note. But here's where it gets crazy. So the very first presentation of the telegraph was to the United States Congress in the United States Senate building. And it went from this the, is good. And it went from the Senate to 
uh, it went from the Senate to Maryland. Right. And the first words that were on the telegraph Get ready. were, what hath God wrought? Mm. Boom. And it was talking about um, Numbers 23-23 with the blessings of Israel. What, what has God brought the nation of Israel? Look at the blessings of God on the nation of Israel. And so then they built, a few years later, they built the first transatlantic telegraph that went from the president to the Queen of England and the engineers, as they were testing it, the first, uh, the first telegraph that went out across the Atlantic was "Peace on Earth, Goodwill Towards Men." Yeah. And then the President Buchanan wrote the Queen, and in his first message to the Queen, he said, uh, "May this." I'm going to summarize it because I don't have it in front of me, but it's essentially. Uh, May, may this bless all Christian nations and bring forth God's law, judgment, uh, and, uh, oh, sorry, not judgment, uh, peace, um, essentially peace among the nations, justice, and God's law was, wow. was what President Buchanan Boom. said to Boom. the Queen of England. That's awesome. And may it be forever neutral between all nations under Christ. Mm. Yeah, and no, s- and I want you to share this because it's amazing to me. First of all, dang. <laughs> Praise God. Well, um, but but I want you to share. I want you to share the the rest of that story with the government. How the government almost yeah, owned yes. communications. Yes. How God kept okay. it out of their hands. But, but first, I want to say that this is this is that without the telegraph, you would not have telecommunications today. Of you course. would not have smartphone. That was the thing that started everything that we have now. When the, within the past, and that was only in the 1820s. So literally within about 200 years. Everything we have comes from that point. And so it is because of a Christian uh, with a post-millennial outlook and wanted to make the world a better place mm. that he did. Now, as you were saying, uh, he, 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 he wasn't perfect <laughs> <laughs> because the reason that he was presenting it before Congress at the United States Senate was because he thought that this would be a great tool for the government to have. Uh, and for war, he was. He, uh, this was a time everybody was very patriotic. This was in the 1820s, so it's fresh out of you know, you know the revolution. You and the know, War of 1812. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, the War of 1812 just happened, and 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 you know his father, you know, was friends with Edwards, who was you know popular among the founders of the country. So this is just within one generation. So everyone's really patriotic. So he thought this would be a great tool for the government to have. So he goes to Congress. He says, what has God wrought? And he says, I want to sell you this technology to the government for $100,000. And thank God the government was too conservative to spend hundred grand on this device. And they, they decided not to do it. And as a result, Western Union bought it and it was privatized. The telegraph was privatized and the lines went out all over the country within a matter of 20 years hmm. uh, you could you could anybody in the country could reach anybody in the country by Western Union and so thankfully it went free market and it did not go the route of government uh, secure of a government device fan Fantastic. That's awesome, man. <laughs> Praise yeah. God for technology. Yeah, technology. It's, it's just so encouraging to see that, like, it whack? all the technology we have today is because of Christians. And so it's kind of exciting to think about. I'm going to talk about this in my talk. Is like, what is what 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 is the thing the next Christian is going to invent that makes our great grandkids go? Remember when uh, your parents used that outdated internet? You know, like, what what's going to make the internet outdated? You Remember know, like, dial-up? 
Yeah, I, right. I do. Well, but, but see, even dial-up is still internet is it's just an improvement. I'm talking about the next completely technological yeah. advancement that would make you know, let's say, like autonomous internet, like it would carry all the information on the internet on oxygen molecules or something, and then you, everybody could access it in North Korea or wherever because you wouldn't have to be isolated to, to a certain location. But, but so, I mean, whatever that technology is, it's exciting to look and say, we know that God's going to bring it and a Christian is going to pioneer it. I think, I think history shows that. Awesome. So there. That, that's my entire that's awesome, talk. Dude. That's my yeah. entire talk. Well, I think uh, that, just, that'll get us into this next uh, uh, position us in a, good, in, in, a, in a good way just to talk about Joe Boot. We're going to have him on the radio show, uh, no, sorry, the TV show in, in just a minute here, actually. We're going to stop and record our television show with Joe Boot. Uh, he wrote the book, The Kingdom of God. He is, one, Boot. He is one of my favorite people in the world. Um, he's one of my favorite modern theologian apologist sort of like practical on the mm. ground like theology stuff I mean, he is really such a sweet and gentle and just wonderful man of god I, we love him we spend a lot of time with him in canada we did a conference up in canada i just love the man and uh, he did a debate recently on two kingdom uh theology and uh, we're going to talk a bit about that maybe some other things but uh joe boot is also uh, incredible uh, in debating atheists. And so this brings us into a good discussion. Marcus is talking about the impact of the Christian worldview and Christians in history. You can look through history and you can look at the origins of modern science and see the Christian origins of modern science, what, great, what gave rise to modern science. You look at universities in history, very, very old universities, Oxford, Cambridge. You look at uh, some of the more modern, popular ones, Yale, uh, and Harvard, those schools. These are Christian institutions. And obviously they've been taken over by the secularists and we've lost footing there in terms of worldview. But you know, look, it's the Christian worldview that provides the framework, the meaningful framework to do science, to do these sorts of things in the world. Um, some of the greatest advances in medicine done by Christians and uh, much of it having to do with their worldview, what they believed about the world actually led them to the discoveries that they made, and so they were acting consistently with their worldview. Um, and so unbelievers, today, of course, you have great scientists who are not Christians that invent wonderful things, but they do it on the backs of Christians and the biblical worldview. They have to borrow from Christianity in order to operate in the world, and they have to borrow from Christianity even to order, even, even in order to argue against Christianity. Mm-hmm. So I want you to hear this. This is closing statement... Joe Boots, debate against atheism. I'd love for you to hear it. It's uh, one of my little favorite, concise, closing remarks. I love it a bunch, and I want you guys to hear it. This is Joe Boot. Joe Boot versus Christopher DiCarlo. Professor Boot. He's a superstar. Isn't he, he is, man. As always with these discussions, it ultimately comes down to just that. Is God just? See, the topic supposedly we were debating tonight is God does does God exist? But but that's not Dr. DiCarlo's problem, you see. He, he's he's open on that question. What he doesn't like he doesn't like God because he doesn't like God's justice, God's definition of justice. That's what comes out and has come out again and again. 
issue then is the issue of morality. And as with most skeptics in my experience, the issue is not a lack of evidence to believe in God. It's the desire to live as we want to live without God interfering with our lives in a way that we feel is inappropriate because it limits our freedom in some way or another. Every worldview, whatever you believe, has a point of departure. To call Christianity intolerant is ridiculous. Every worldview that claims truth status has a point of departure. Even Jainism ultimately will say you cannot say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So you can, it's impossible to assert any true proposition and be tolerant of the opposite if we're going to say that there is such a thing as truth. Heaven and hell. This again seems to be the issue here. What of heaven and hell? The biblical conception of heaven and hell and of the justice of God is that no man will want to be in the presence of God who doesn't love and worship God. Heaven would be hell to the humanist and the atheist. Hell is their heaven because it's the perfection in degree of what we want now in life. If our hearts and lives and minds are turned towards God, His righteousness, His truth, His justice, God's presence is heaven to us. Boom. It's not heaven to those who would hate God's justice. Those in the... We all go move beyond the grave. Yes, we do. The question is... As biblically defined is a place where Jesus says there's weeping and gnashing of teeth because people have chosen to be there their own gods as C.S. Lewis puts it mm. on the doors Jesus does not say to any man uh, you're going to hell rather he says your will be done mm. it's those who say thy will be done who are in the presence of God and Jesus says to those who do not want to be there thy will be done that's the issue the issue is justice well on what basis can we have justice in the universe here we go Christopher has talked a lot about morality and justice and is judging the morality of God. If there's no God, there is only, as Dawkins has put it, blind, pitiless indifference. It's just DNA, it's just molecules, molecules, it's just atoms. There is no good, there's no evil, there's no justice, there's no injustice. So there's no good morally complaining to God because morality is not a coherent concept. And that has been my argument this evening. Without God and His Spirit, you only have the material universe. How can a constantly changing, impermanent flux of matter be a basis for unchanging, immaterial laws of thought, rationality, or morality? It is, by definition, impossible. And so only by actually presupposing God can Christopher make a moral complaint against God. As I said before, he wants to borrow from my worldview in order to criticize it. This was not a debate about the age of the earth. If we want to do a debate, a discussion about the age of the universe or whatever, fine, there are other Christians who hold a different view to me. The debate is, does God exist? What is the offense of the Christian position? The offense is that instead of beginning with man and his reason as, reason as autonomous and as the ultimate standard, we begin with the being of God and his revelation for the Christian in ultimately in Jesus Christ. You see, man's problem, human being's problem, is that we want to be our own standard for everything. Mm. Morality, truth, justice, and everything else. And so we collapse into a relativistic sea. We disappear and deconstruct ourselves into the void of questions with no answers, of ultimate meaninglessness of the third, as the existentialists have put it. The discussion tonight has been about two worldviews, two ways of approaching reality. The most that the non-theist can attest to, can affirm, is the, the thinking self, the I. That's it. That's all they want to attest to. But they can't move beyond that. Because without God, there's no basis for a correlation between my mind and the world, or a correlation between my mind and your mind. 
because there's no pre-ordered structure, pattern, design. There's no design plan. It's irrational, brute factuality. Unbelief leads ultimately to the denial of knowledge because brute facts are impervious to rationality. Now, I want you to hear this next part. This is why I love Joe Boot. Not only, obviously, is this an epic deconstruction of Christopher DiCarlo's position and worldview. And you really got to watch the whole debate. It's all up on YouTube. So it's Joe Boot, Christopher DiCarlo, D-I-C-A-R-L-O. But listen, this is all just, listen. This is all just truly savage. Yes, it is. Now, listen. Savage. Listen to this next part. This is why I love Joe Boot. Our choice is stark. It's a choice between a world of total meaning in God or a world of total meaninglessness. A personal God or an impersonal void. Your choice tonight is not between Joe Boot and Dr. DiCarlo. This is a choice between the autonomous self, the I of DiCarlo, and God. Jesus Christ and Christopher DiCarlo. You take your pick. Jesus has spoken authoritatively, I believe, in his word. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If you really want moral freedom, freedom from guilt, you can know it in the person of Jesus Christ that I've come, you might have life in all its fullness, and you can know God, I'm telling you that today, in Christ. Boom. <laughs> is, is he in a is he in a stadium? Uh, he's in a it looks like a, like a, almost like a college uh, like basketball court is is what it's, it looks like. Yeah. like. There was a howler monkey I in the crowd. Like, I feel like U two is jealous right now of that audience. Yeah, oh. U two. <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that's what it was like every time I went to eat with Dennis in Japan. Oh yeah, yeah people screaming and yelling like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I believe oh, that man. So I listen to what he says. He Hello, says monkeys. it's it's a it's a, a, a world. Oh, atheism is a world of total meaninglessness. So you the options you have is a world of total meaninglessness or a universe of total meaning. I mean that was. Das Boots. Das Boots. Right there. Oh, man. All right, guys. So we're going to take a quick break. I want to introduce you there. But just let's, let's, let's cap it off by saying this. Uh, Mar- I can't wait to hear Marcus's whole talk just put together. Marcus is actually a really, really wonderful speaker and a great communicator. And this stuff's just going to be incredible. But this is the truth. It really is a universe of total meaninglessness in atheism and a universe of total meaning with Jesus Christ and it is his revelation that provides for us the foundation and framework to make sense of absolutely anything at all and it provides the only meaningful and coherent framework to have inventions to see progress to investigate the world to believe in necessary universal standards of reasoning and logic to believe in a universe that can be clocked and that a university where you in induction holds where the future will be like the past all of these great advances I and mean, the fact that we're talking to you right now and is from a studio in arizona recording all this stuff on our devices and we're shooting it across the planet and you're downloading it at the click of a button and of 60 seconds it's just absolutely phenomenal the fact that we can communicate the gospel now across the planet um just with ease no problems quickly in a moment it is absolutely fantastic and all of that is given to us by the biblical worldview Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount he says what he says the meek shall inherit the earth the meek shall inherit the earth it's God's people that bring all these things into the world 
by the grace of God, through his power, with his word. Be right back. Hi, I'm Les. And I'm Tanner. And we're the hosts of the Reformed Pubcast. A weekly podcast where two friends get together and talk about the things that they love. It's like all those times you talked about theology over a pint of beer with your friends, but we're just dumb enough to record it. It's a theology of Calvin and the thirst of Luther. Join in on the conversation by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. It's the Reformed Pubcast. For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build him a house, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world, not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college to equip students with the tools to build and fight. This is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu forward slash explore. All right, guys, welcome back to Apologia Radio and first time we've done this, Apologia's after show. We're going to combine them so you guys can get a little bit of Dr. Boot. We were just talking about Joe Boot on the program. We played a little bit of his clip. Uh, his closing statement and his debate with uh, Christopher DiCarlo. And since we're doing the after show and the TV show with Dr. Boo, we thought, well, hey, let's bring him in now. Let's get some of, the, and the, some of this on the radio program. So well, we're since, back. Since the last subject we were talking about on TV show, we figured we'd exhibit some dualism. Yes, yes. And blend the two worlds together, the upper story and the <laughs> lower story. Uh, so I'm not sure which one Apology or Radio is, but uh, here we go. go. With the upper. Okay. So, um, <laughs> all right, guys. So we are uh, going to talk with Dr. Boot. Let me go ahead and introduce him now to you guys now on the radio show. Dr. Boot, thank you for joining us on the show today. It's a real pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Luke, uh, it's great to be with you. Absolutely. Okay, so we wanted to introduce all of our uh, listeners to Dr. Boot and uh, his work, and so we've been talking about his book, um, Mission of God, The Mission of God. Mission of God. Let me tell you guys, um, if you have uh, the opportunity now to read a work that will blow your mind, encourage you, instruct you, challenge you, and you want to invest yourself right now in something really, really worthwhile, I encourage you guys to get the book, The Mission of God. Um, I told Joe on the television program that this is one of my very favorite works um, of any book that I've read. I think uh, uh, Pastor Luke agrees. Yes. Uh, it is fantastic and very, very important. And so we've been talking about... Um, the new Puritanism, uh, the Puritans and their belief in the kingdom of God and the rule of Christ over every area of life. Uh, Dr. Boo was explaining to us what dualism meant, and uh, let's let's do it so it's it's helpful at least for those that are getting on in the after show now and those who are on the radio program. Um, I know Joe, we did a big discussion just now on on dualism, but just give us a snapshot, just a quick brief snapshot to get people up to speed here while we're talking about about dualism. Uh, before we play a clip from your recent debate on two kingdom theology, sure. So what we're not what we're not talking about is the very biblical um, dual dualism of creator and creature. This what we might call a creator creature distinction that we recognise as biblical. But dualism, as we've been as we were talking about it on the TV show, um, and for the purposes of this discussion, 
is that un- non-biblical notion that really grew out of Greek philosophy that sought to divide up reality into um, uh, more than one part. Typically two parts, um, form, matter, or the, um, the, the natural uh, world of n- nature, the sort of uh, ever-flowing stream of life, and a world of ideas or spirit or form or soul, uh, which is a, an upper story. So two stories of reality yeah. and different things go in the different stories of reality. And this was thought to, to aid human understanding um, uh, of reality, but it really just set up sort of irreconcilable um, dichotomies that, that, that have been problematic for human thinking ever since. And it very much influenced um, uh, Christianity through efforts by you know, certain theologians and thinkers uh, in the early centuries to syncretize the Greek idea of um, uh, form and matter, and that became the nature-grace dualism that w- some people will be familiar with from Roman Catholic theology, or what we sometimes call scholasticism. Yes, and uh, it just means uh, essentially that um, uh, there are a, there are sort of neutral, non-religious realms in the lower story, and then there's this area of grace or spirituality in the upper story, and uh, it usually results in the the idea of the spiritual um, being the good uh, and the higher way, and then the, the, the material and the body and the culture being the, the lower way, um, uh, not always evil, but certainly less good, as it were. Um, and uh, Christianity has often tried to s- syncretize itself with these kinds of ideas, and that has certainly influenced what we would call today the modern two kingdoms doctrine. Can you uh, give us um, a, li- a little bit of a snapshot, an idea of why uh, thinking unbiblically in this way and dividing things up in this way and uh, essentially telling the Lord Jesus, your hands are off this area mm-hmm. and this is your special place. Um, and uh, why is that destructive? What kind of damage does it cause uh, in the mm-hmm. world and to our witness to the world? Tell us about that. Mm-hmm. Well, if we, um, if we hold any kind of duality which seeks to separate God and his word, um, or at least um, separates the special revelation of God, inscripturated revelation of God, from certain areas of life because they belong to a lower, lesser uh, story for the two kingdoms theologians, the, there's a dichotomy between creation um, and recreation. And those really don't meet. Um, and what that, what that has the effect of doing is essentially the Bible can't speak into these areas in the alleged, and, and um, uh, it's of course just a construct, it's not real, this alleged lower story. And in the lower story is very often put things like our work, our vocation, our, our family, um, our um, studies, our education, our music, our art, our politics, law, all these things get dumped into a lower story, and the faith gets limited to an, a, a spiritual upper story realm that has to do with our personal piety, maybe our personal ethics to a certain degree, um, and our personal devotional spiritual walk, as it's often uh, called, with the Lord, but that doesn't land itself in the realities, all the re- details and realities of everyday life. You, know, you often hear that, um, 
I don't know whether you use it in the States, but we used to say in England, you know, the devil is in the details. Yeah. Um, actually, for Scripture, God is in all the details, not the devil. He's in all of the details. <laughs> That's why I love the book of Leviticus, you know, uh, which goes through tremendous, seemingly redundant detail about all the details of the tabernacle because God is totally in all of the detail. So anything that seeks to abstract, to, to, to remove, to take away God and his word from um, total, um, uh, what uh, one of the Dutch philosophers, um, uh, Doiverd, would have said, a, a, a radical, a radical grip, the radical grip of God's word, the power of his word in every sphere and aspect of life, um, is to fundamentally deny the very essence of the Christian faith and the Christian gospel. So in, in, in the end, this discussion really comes down to the lordship of Jesus Christ. How far-reaching is, exactly. is his lordship? Mm. I mean, that's really the question. Yeah. Yeah. Just, blend, yeah. just boil all of this down to um, where does Jesus' lordship end? Yeah. Okay. And so Matthew 28, 18 through 20, premier verse uh, for this particular point. Jesus says, all authority in heaven, and every Christian says, yay and amen. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. In heaven, uh, we all agree with. But it's the honor. Story it's and the lower honor story. part that seems to become the problem and yeah. where the conflict starts to arise. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Uh, so that, I think that's the essence of the struggle. And somebody might believe two kingdom theology without really knowing. I, sure. they, they didn't read a book on it, but it just sort of captured it. It's part mm-hmm. of you know the Western Christian culture mm-hmm. at this point. That's just what that's just the way things are, and so this does have dramatic impact on the world around us. Because if we abandon abandon the culture to Satan and to the world, if we say Jesus isn't Lord over that and doesn't speak directly to that, and here's his standard, then we have a culture that goes into decay. Mm-hmm. And I I think Joe, Doctor Boot, I think that this really gets down into the dirt of where Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount very clearly, you are the salt and the light Mm -hmm. in the world because that's where this is all supposed to go. Salt is a preservative and light dispels darkness. And I think when we abandon the world uh, to Mm -hmm. the darkness, I think that, well, we reap the rewards of that. And so will our children by the way, and that's what bothers me so much. Um, and so, so yeah, this is important. This discussion is big, and uh, let's let's get into it. Let's get into some of the implications of how it works, how it works out. So, uh, Doctor Boot is with the Ezra Institute, and uh, again, he just recently, I think, recently, yes, two, okay, a couple weeks ago, two kingdoms and cultural obedience uh, debate. I encourage you guys all to go and get it. It's about a two-hour long debate and discussion. It's very very good. And I think it'll bless you big time listening to it. I'm actually going to play, oddly, at the very kind of end of the debate. And this is where um, uh, Dr. Boot and his opponent are having a discussion. And I think audience uh, questions come up. And this one is about abortion. Mm -hmm. And so I think it'd be good to play this because this really, I think, will connect with people. And you can hear sort of one perspective versus the other. I'm going to go ahead and play it. And then, Dr. Boot, you can respond. some that I find probably more interesting. Uh, common kingdom, of, or in this common kingdom of Canada, this is a, abortion is being trumpeted. Is this a legitimate cause for Christians to rally together in whatever that, whatever that might look like to see that abortion is made illegal? Would that, would that be a, a common kingdom issue, or, or how, and how does the two kingdom 
view how would you deal with that with your with the outlook of a two kingdom view well I, I think it's both i just don't think you can separate issues into one kingdom or the other for the most part i think the church needs to proclaim very clearly the dignity of all of human life in the image of god right the prohibition against murder uh, and, and not just the obligation that we don't take human life, but that we care for human life. The positive side of the commandment, do not murder, as articulated in the Heidelberg Catechism. Mm-hmm. Um, so the church needs to proclaim that, and it needs to proclaim that without compromise as being a clear implication of the gospel for all people, including the state. And that it's the state's job to punish injustice, and it's the state's job insofar as it is able to prevent these things. And then I think the organic church then goes out, and we are you know, obligated as citizens to seek you know, advance in the way of justice insofar as we are able to, just as I would say with any other particular moral issue. Now, does that mean that we should go into the public realm and say, this is the only perfect position I would hold, and I would not support legislation moving in that direction in one way or another? So, I mean, you're an MP, and if if there was a law that, that came to the parliament now that said, you know, should abortion be prohibited in every case except rape, incest, and life of the mother? And you might say, well, I don't even think it should be legitimate in cases of rape, incest, life of the mother, but that is clearly a compromise moving in the right direction, so I'm going to support that. Because I recognize that due to the hardness of human hearts, sometimes we might not be able to persuade people to prohibit it in all those circumstances. Um, The church can't then say, the church should never preach that abortion should be illegal except in in rape and system life of the mother, because the church should say that abortion is always horrible. But what that means in politics, in, in, in secular engagement, is going to be a little bit more complicated based on what is possible, what is attainable, uh, and, and what um, possibilities individuals of us have. I mean, your, your possibilities are going to be greater in that area than mine um, because of your position. Yeah. Um... So there, uh, before we get to Joe's portion, I think that that shows a bit of a conflict. Yeah. I mean, Joe, yeah. for, for me, Joe, hearing him say things like, um, you know, should we say this is the only perfect position? And it, it, it seems like, you know, and I mean this with respect to this brother who loves the Lord, and um, I, don't, I don't want to cause any, I don't want to diminish his dignity in any way and all that he's, he's done to serve Christ in his life. But I, I, want, I want to say this sounds schizophrenic to me and um and so i'd like to have you speak to that it, it sounds schizophrenic to me and it sounds like well you know the church has its standards over here and we should say it's always wrong and always murder but that doesn't necessarily move its way over into politics because that's mm-hmm. that's sort of a different area and we shouldn't have this high level of and degree of certainty about what truly is just in that area because well that's a different that's a different category over there and the and, church should never speak into it yeah and and well and, and speak to it and with a degree of certainty right is what he's saying and so um and and by the way and and joe and i know i'm throwing a lot out to you to answer uh toward but when when he talks about that's the state's role to punish injustice my my first question to him would be well by by what what standard mm-hmm. should they punish mm-hmm. injustice um, and so I'd like to hear you talk to that, Joe. Well, uh, first of all, um, the what you've uh, what you've picked up here straight away is that um, in front of a reformed audience, men who are trying to uh, retain their reformed credentials and are asked a direct question by an MP about abortion are really on the horns of a dilemma um, uh, with the two kingdoms perspective. You know, you're not going to find. Horton and Van Drun and, and even perhaps Daryl Hart and others uh, 
wanting to say that abortion is okay right um uh, you know and and retain any kind of credibility within uh, conservative uh, christianity uh you know that it's okay for the state even what what's going on there subtly is what what um Tuninger, who has definitely definitely presented that night a moderated and revised version and this is part of the issue is that the two kingdoms uh, doctrine has so many different versions, permutations, and representatives now that knowing well which is the authoritative one, um, that he seems to be creating or wanting to create at least some kind of distance between himself and and Van Drunen and others. Um, it's, it's not always clear exactly what they're trying to say. There's a degree of incoherence, and I, you've used exactly the right word, schizophrenia here. Um, but what's going on is uh, he, they want to appeal to some kind of natural law perspective. That there is in the common order, in the in the in the creation, as opposed to the realm of recreation and the age to come and the realm of special revelation, scripture, but in this realm of natural law, in this common area, um, there is we're bound. All people are bound by natural principles of justice, not to murder. Um, that's what he's saying. And um, uh, I think he's probably going to argue, would probably, if pressed, argue from um, from the, the Noahic covenant, the covenant with Noah in Genesis eight and nine, um, which is another subject which I deal with in the in the debate. Um, that uh, from there you can get the uh, you can get this general covenant with creation that involves prohibitions against murder. And then the the, the problem then becomes, well, okay, well, what what actually is murder? What's the difference between murder and manslaughter? Um, and um, uh, how do we deal with questions like abortion then when it comes to the state? What he doesn't want to do is bring scripture and biblical references and God's law directly to bear on the state. Right, right. And that's the problem. Yes. And that's why you get equivocation. That's why you're going to get um, a ming and ahhing. That's why you're going to hear about n- not, not being certain about things. I mean, uh, and they'll be happy for you to preach, you know, life and stuff in the church pulpit, because um, that's the redemptive realm. That's the realm of recreation. Mm. But um, since for them, Scripture is written for the covenant people, not for the world, and since in the common kingdom uh, there are Christians and non-Christians, you can't really appeal to special revelation for them in the common civic kingdom. And so they'll, the, the problem is, I mean, and, and really, quite frankly, abortion is the easiest. I mean, that's the easiest that's right. uh, uh, question to deal with, murder. Right. Um, you know, how, how about being tossed one about sexual ethics or, um, or the nature of marriage or, you know, and uh, human sexuality and gender identity and, or justice and poverty and all those kinds of things uh, which are critical questions for Scripture. How does the Christian, what, if we can't use special revelation in the public space, we have a problem answering those questions. He was fortunate to get the one on abortion. That's perhaps the, of all the ones for a conservative believer to answer, even a two kingdoms believer, the easiest to handle. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, I know you're in Canada, so I don't know how up to speed you are with like our current uh, political situation right now, but but there's a, a lot of two kingdom guys uh, that like Moeller and uh, Russell Moore example that are getting a lot of attention in terms of them speaking out against say donald trump and hillary clinton do, do you think that 
just as things get worse in the United States politically, they're really struggling with this now. Like it's becoming harder because because you you can't stay silent about what the Bible says mm-hmm. when you have Donald Trump running for office. Yeah. <laughs> Where like yeah. it forces you. Like they, is that a is that just going to play itself out eventually? What do you think? I think I think the untenable nature of the two kingdoms position, uh, the um, the artificial nature of the two kingdoms view, inevitably will be exposed as the culture moves in a more hostile direction, as it's continuing to move in a more hostile direction to the Christian faith. Um, the I mean, I think that that's why, in in, in a certain sense. Um, one of the arguments that's made by the two kingdoms theorists is this. What, what Van Drunen will say, and he's certainly the gold standard of, of a cogent presentation of it, what Van Drunen would say um, with respect to this is that uh, the, the earthly kingdom, the, the, the temporal common kingdom, cannot be, um, uh, won't be governed by uh, special revelation, because in the end, this creation, this creation order, is not being redeemed. Um, it's not being restored. Uh, it, we can't talk about cultural transformation, and more importantly, even we don't need to, because this kingdom fulfills the purpose for which this common kingdom fulfills the purpose for which God has allegedly given it. They, they, they will say, their argument is this, ask your average American neighbor in suburbia about the question of, of violence or questions of justice or questions of murder, and he says, chances are they'll agree with you because God's covenant with Noah guaranteed on his view that there would be cultural homogeneity, that is, there would be cultural sameness, that, all around, that, uh, that, that there would be um, uh, a continuity of, Natural law that brings people to essential agreement in the common realm. Now, um, what has been uh, that is empirically false, of course, because as you look at history, it, nothing is little is easier to prove than than the notion that that, that different cultures at different times have had completely disparate values. The Caribs, for example, of the Caribbean, who used to have stir fry man flesh, contra Horton, who <laughs> thinks there's no such thing as a Christian stir fry. Um, <laughs> the Incas, the Aztecs, hold utterly different views to the 20th century American. Right. But now in 21st century America, as a, a, a paganism, as, as, as humanism in a sense, is working itself out to its logical conclusions, as the antithesis between the Christian gospel and anti-Christianity is being made manifest, it's no longer plausible to say, well, basically there's this common kingdom where there's a broad agreement about everything, you know, ask your neighbor this and the chances are they'll agree with you. Ask your neighbor these days in California um, whether there are two genders, they don't agree with you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, ask your neighbor what marriage is, they right. don't agree with you. So the, the, as these political things, Luke, that you're talking about become more and more pronounced, transgender bathrooms, Obama and and Clinton and Trump and all these different things, it becomes increasingly impossible to pretend that there's this common mm. kingdom out there mm. that everybody generally agrees with. You, can't, you don't need to appeal to special revelation. And in any case, that common kingdom is religiously neutral. That's why it's common. We don't need to transform it. We don't need to redeem it. It's there for a temporary purpose, this creation for them, um, 
uh, is going to give way to a and, and, and yield to a new creation, in a sense, a totally different creation. And the only thing that for Van Drunen that actually escapes out of this creation is your body. And that just preserves his Christianity. If he didn't say that, actually, I would say that his theology was non-Christian. Yeah. So you oh. can see what this theology does to the doctrine of the incarnation. I mean, Jesus Christ, God the Son, thought nothing of coming into this alleged lower story <laughs> to become a human being as the second Adam and then be raised in the flesh uh, as the first fruits from the dead. And Romans 8 is clear that all of creation groans, waiting in our adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. So... The, 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 it's going to become increasingly clear as time passes, as humanism becomes more and more self-conscious, that this common kingdom idea is totally bogus, and more and more Christians will be forced in one of two directions, I believe, either to go in the direction of your Tony Campolos in America and your Steve Chalks in Britain, um, and start, you know, um, accepting things like same-sex marriages and inverted commas and, and all of that. Uh, in other words, the default position will be simply move to the radical left. Um, or they're going to have to start saying, hang on a minute, we've got this wrong. Right. What's happened to this common kingdom? Now, of course, you could ask any Syrian Christian or Pakistani Christian or Christian living in Saudi Arabia and tell them about the two, uh, two kingdoms theology in their common kingdom, and they'd laugh because hmm. what, does that, what on earth does that mean to a, to a Syrian who's just seen their child murdered in front of them hmm. uh, you know, because of the values of um, certain strands of Islam? So it's only because there was a... Um, a sort of prima facie plausibility to this idea of a common kingdom in the West because of successful evangelization of the West. That's right. That's, uh, this, yeah. this theology held any kind of appeal. As that, um, the, the fruits of the Christian gospel in North America, because of our apostasy, start to show themselves, this, this theology will be shown for the, the uh, well, to put it mildly, the, 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 the compromised um, unbiblical uh, theological infantilism that it actually is. Yes. It's a, it's, it's a very good point, Dr. Boot. And when you t we talk oftentimes about presuppositionalism and, mm -hmm. and consistent philosophical Christian thinking. We talk about, say, the atheist who borrows from Christianity to make sense of their worldview and their this bundle of contradictions. Well, I think in the same sense, there's something that can be said here in terms of the two kingdom advocates who borrow so much of what Christianity and a total life and worldview meant and the mm -hmm. rule of Jesus in the world, what it gave to us as a civilization, they're riding off the coattails of believers who did not think like them mm. and uh, able to, to talk like, uh, speak like they do and to write like they do in such a way because they're part of a society that is just reaping the rewards of Christians who worked very, very hard um, to preach and herald the truths of Christ's lordship in every area of life. Now, of course, that's been eroded now in the West, and we're, again, reaping what we sow in that respect. But um, I think that, um, obviously, there needs to be reformation of the church. Obviously, we need reformation in the area of our thinking in terms of what Jesus, just what is Jesus Lord over. Mm. <laughs> and, and these uh, people, these people paid, the, our Christian forebears paid, paid in blood, in sweat, in tears, for uh, our ability to have white, middle-class, uh, Western suburban seminaries in Escondido and Grand Rapids uh, and uh, these little Christian enclaves 
where Two Kingdoms theology sounds very, very comfortable from a professor's chair, but it doesn't work in the real <laughs> world. And the more the real world confronts now, uh, an anti-Christian real world confronts the church. Um, and, and, and in a sense, you know, th this is, to my mind, the motivation behind the Two Kingdoms construct anyway. You know, in, in Arminian sort of um, uh, fundamentalism in America, you have one method of escaping the conflict in the world, and that's through a secret rapture. So the earth and history and creation is abandoned uh, in that direction. Here you have a sort of conservative uh, evangelical response masquerading as historically reformed that is trying to Protestantize a Catholic nature-grace distinction, mm. which really gives you a theological justification for abandoning the culture and remaining in the church. And our task is simply exercise church discipline, you know, um, administer the sacraments, preach the word, uh, share the gospel with people. But in the end, special revelation doesn't speak into the public space. That is um, cultural suicide. Oh, man, I, I wish I would have read Bavink <laughs> before I read Mission of God, because everything you say, I just hear Bavink, Bavink, Bavink. It's incredible. But I have a, a practical example, I think. The first time I really heard of Two Kingdom Theology, uh, this was a few years ago, uh, uh, someone on, on Facebook had kind of come after us a little bit because we played a Hillsong video or something. I don't know. Something with Hillsong. And he was like really upset because we use Hillsong. And, you know, I'm not going to get into that discussion, but this again was a few years ago. Um, and uh, so that would be, you know, an example of like the, the higher, the higher floor, the spiritual level. He was upset yeah. because, you know, of, of, of theological issues with Hillsong. But then in the same conversation and trying to persuade me to, be two kingdom then he was ex explaining how he you know has no problem listening to some other music that would be in the lower level that was just vile like terrible music that no christian should be listening to and that was like a that was like my introduction and so just to show kind of how absurd this 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 dualistic perspective is um, yeah, I just came to mind just now as we were. Jesus we were isn't concerned with that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So he could yeah. listen to it because yep. Jesus yep. was concerned with it. And I was just like, that doesn't make sense Interesting. in the least. Interesting. Uh, okay, so Joe, this is this is where, where it's going to go. The discussion has to go to particular places to people for people to launch from. Okay, so here's what they say to you, Joe. And I, I think I know... I think I know what your response is going to be. And so I think I know what you're going to say, but I want everyone else to hear it. What they're going to say to you, Joe, is they're going to say, well, here's the problem with your theory, Joe, and what you think. And you're thinking really it's not consistent because really what's wrong here, Joe, is you have an overrealized eschatology. <laughs> it's just <laughs> not time yet. And so it's the problem here is that what's feeding all of this, Joe, is your overrealized eschatology. And that's, that stuff's for later. Right now, that's 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 not supposed to be brought in right now. Uh, yes, Jesus is King, Joe. No, I'm not saying he's not King. And yes, he's Lord of Lords. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying he's not. And yes, you know, his kingdom has arrived, kind of, but not really in history. And so, you know, all that. I'm, I'm there, Joe, with you. But the problem is the reason you think the way that you do in terms of justice in the world and the kingship of Jesus Christ and his lordship and the transforming power of the gospel. The reason you think that way is because you're eschatology is overrealized. So if you could just back the clock up a, a, a ways, Joe, you'll be fine, and all this will make sense to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, there is a, um, a kind of 
a view that this is all somehow driven by um, uh, particular eschatological concerns. I think we have to remember, first of all, that eschatology is about much more than the end times. It really is a, is a view mm-hmm. of history. Yeah. And um, it, it's a view of you know, direction. Uh, and movement in in history. And um, certainly it's the case that the two kingdoms proponents like Van Drun and and, um, Tuninga are consistently smuggling in their uh, pessimistic uh, eschatology into their reasoning, and it often goes undefended, uh, which is is important. But I think when we actually uh, pair this back, we can can actually make this, I think, quite simple uh, without getting into, you know, arguments about, um, you know, how much success for the gospel we can see in history. You know, the scripture says that out of the heart flow the issues of life. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the, the, when we look at uh, the, the word of God, what we see is that the only actual dividing line in history is not an upper story and a lower story, a common kingdom and a, and a, and a redemptive kingdom and all these false dualities that have burdened the church. We only see these two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. That's it. Yeah. And uh, what determines which of those kingdoms we're going to be in is the condition of our hearts. Out of the heart are the issues of life. And whether we have a regenerate and redeemed heart, now, of course, by the heart, we mean the center, the core of the being, the self, the I, that person you call you, is that person radically transformed and oriented towards God. Now, if our heart is transformed, then it's not just the first 20 minutes of my day that's transformed in my personal devotions. It's not just Sunday morning that's transformed. It's not just um, some uh, Wednesday night Bible study that's transformed. If my heart is transformed, from which stem all the issues of life, that will orient every aspect of my being. And really that is um, what, the, what conversion, let's bear, bear it right back to that. That's what regeneration, renewal, conversion, uh, salvation actually really is about. And um, Jesus makes it absolutely plain that when the, when the gospel grips us, when the Holy Spirit grips us, we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right. And the gospel of the kingdom, Jesus says, the, um, the kingdom of God, Jesus said, is where? It's within you. That is to say that the rule and the reign of God begins right in the core of our being. And when that has actually happened, we won't have a problem with seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in every aspect of life. When um, Augustine and the reformers looked at the, the time since the resurrection of Jesus, where, where Christ, who is you know, the firstborn from the dead, he's resurrected, he ascends to the right hand of God with power, uh, where he's ruling and reigning, reigning where he's making um, his enemies his footstool, where Paul says we are seated with Christ by faith in heavenly places already ruling and reigning. And um, he will bring uh, all things. I mean, we don't see it all yet. The writer of Hebrews says that. We don't see all things brought into subjection yet, but we see Christ who is bringing everything into subjection. When, we, uh, when, we, when that reality 
uh, grips us and we see the, the, reign, the reign of Christ is in our hearts, it will be no problem for that to, that to flow out to every aspect of our being. And from that period of the resurrection of Jesus to the end of time is the kingdom age. And that's clear. That's clear from Scripture, the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is among you. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. And I noticed that actually in my debate with um, Dr. Tuninger, the kingdom of God was shunted off. What he did was divide up history into two ages. Mm -hmm. And his version was, well, you have the present age, Mm -hmm. and then you have really the age to come. And the age to come was really the kingdom age, and they wouldn't want to make it uh, as um, they wouldn't want to perhaps state it as crystal clear as that, uh, that the, 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 the kingdom is all reserved for the future age. But that basically is what they mean, mm. that we can really yeah. expect none of this kingdom transformation. And that to me is um, uh, just incomprehensible from a scriptural perspective, how we can look at the New Testament, how we can look at scripture as a whole and say that the kingdom and rule and reign of God, after Christ announces jubilee at the beginning of his ministry, uh, to somehow some future age, so that we can't bring scripture to bear, says to me something that there there is that the radical grip of God's word and His Holy Spirit on our hearts has not yet been fully accomplished. Because when it is, uh, it will transform every aspect of our being. I mean, that's the meaning of the gospel. So uh, what we have is not an overrealized eschatology. What they have is an underrealized soteriology. They have an, a, a, a failure to understand the radical nature of the gospel and the radical transformation of the heart that the gospel really brings about in us so that everything it touches is transformed by the power of the gospel. That's really what we mean here. We're talking about the power of the resurrection, mm-hmm. not some sort of, you know, um, uh, scary, you know, dominionist doctrine over here that's going to retake America by politics. No, we're talking about yeah. the total radical transformation of the human person in terms of the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes everything. And that's why you can't really understand marriage unless you understand what Paul has to say about marriage. We can't really understand vocation until we understand what Paul has to say about vocation. Uh, all of these areas... Um, are touched and transformed by the gospel. Woo! Oh, wow. Praise Fire. God. That's right. And, and so that's what we're talking about is regeneration, sanctification. And so that's what I often want to ask my brothers and sisters in Christ who may disagree or maybe even haven't thought through this. I just want to ask a question. Do you believe that sanctification is a real thing? Do you believe yeah. that it happens? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to say to people, when in terms of like, when they say, well, how should society be structured and what should the blueprint be? I say to a Christian, well, when you have a question about how should you operate in your family and run your family, where do you go for those answers to the scriptures? Right. When you have a question about how should you should live as a believer under, under Christ's authority um, as it, with him as your savior, it, how should you live in your business and operate in your business? Where do you go for your authority? What do you touch? What do you point to? What do you point to the word of God? Do, what about the area of uh, civil government? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, people go, "Oh, but wait, mm-hmm. well, wait, what?" Well, right. and, and that's that's the schizophrenia. And I think that if we can confess and agree as reformed folks that um, Jesus Christ is a total savior of a total person, and if we can confess and agree that the Holy Spirit of God does bring transformation into our lives, I think we're gonna ca- we're gonna capture 
the essence of, of what we're trying to get at is that if God saves, he saves perfectly and completely and he never loses us, he never forsakes us and he does mm-hmm. bring us to life. And you're right, Joe, it is about resurrection life. That's yeah. what it's about. Jesus is a man being Christ. Yeah. He is a new creation. That's right. Which tells us that right now as a kingdom of priests, as new creatures in Jesus Christ, the new creation has already broken in and is transforming. There is only, you see, there is only one creation, and this is what the, the two kingdoms guys need to grasp in this world of, uh, of, uh, of, of Greek uh, dualism that they've drifted into. There is only one creation. It's the one you and I are sat in right now in this conversation on the radio. This is God's creation. There isn't going to be another one, and he is redeeming and restoring and reconciling it to himself, visible and invisible. And that is the, 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 the total meaning, um, the radical meaning and scope of the gospel. And what we, what we have to have a handle on, surely, as well as, as, as believers, is, you know, as you say, when you come to those questions about the civic sphere or the public space, and suddenly you have this reticence about God's revelation, if we're going to say we're going to depend upon an alleged non-religious neutral sphere of a common understanding that is that comes to us through a supposed natural law now of course we do believe as christians that god's god's law and god's ordinances surround us in every aspect of life right so we recognize uh that within creation and within the conscience of human beings god has established his word his law his ordinances and that those are a constant convicting reality. People can try and redesign the human family. They can try and deny that there is a binary gender distinction between male and female. They can try and reinvent marriage. But it's a hiding to nothing because God has established irrevocably his ordinances in creation. We, we recognize that. We know that. But it's not nature's law. That's God's law in his creation. And we also recognize that because of sin, we radically suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, right. that's, we know the message of, of, of Paul in Romans 1, that men and women hold down the truth in unrighteousness. So the idea that we can just have uh, some uh, stoic notion of, of natural law somewhere in the abstract out there that everybody is going to agree with really says that sin isn't a problem. That in the common sphere, sin hasn't broken things, hasn't marred everything. Hmm. And it, it really seeks to separate an inseparable bond between the special revelation of God and the what we can call the general or creational revelation of God. Those are always involved in each other. They can never be separated. And this idea, this two kingdoms notion, really tries to sever that bond and says, well, the special sphere... Um, the special area, special revelation, this fear of grace, this redemptive realm, just doesn't speak to this common area. And so God's word, God's creation and God's redemption, the Father and the Son, it's severed. We lose this connection, uh, the integral nature uh, of, of God's um, revelation in history, and the organic connection between creation and recreation that the, restor- the restoration of all things, all of these things are severed by this artificial dichotomy, and it leaves people, as you've described, Jeff, in that hopeless situation where they'll say, well, yes, I, I'm happy to apply uh, God's word into this private space, uh, the sacred realm, this realm of my spirituality, perhaps even my family uh, and, and my personal piety, 
But oh, we mustn't apply it out there. We mustn't impose our ideas on the world. And when you begin to see what a radical departure from Scripture that is, I think people begin to see, yes, you know what? It's often they've not heard it. Yeah, there, there's something wrong here. Yeah. And the social collapse around us is highlighting that more and more. Absolutely. Mm. Man, like, when you talk about how two-kingdom theology jeopardizes the importance of the incarnation, man, that's next level. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Like, <laughs> upper, upper level. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that before. Like my mind is just like blown Similarly, away. Like say both the incarnation uh, and the resurrection, and of course the fact that today there is a man in heaven, the man Jesus Christ, who is the second Adam. And if you uh, disconnect, if you bifurcate creation and recreation, common kingdom, redemptive kingdom, in the way that these men do. Um, we are jeopardizing the importance, the centrality of the incarnation of Christ and his resurrection. And in fact, David Randrunen uh, actually argues that all that gets through out of this creation, just by the skin of our teeth, is our bodies and none of our works. Well, that contradicts scripture because Paul clearly speaks about a judgment of our works and that if we build on any other foundation other than Christ, our works will be burned up. But if we are faithful in our works, in our application of the faith, in every aspect of our lives, they go with us. So you can understand why they're demotivated about the cultural sphere, about um, transformation of culture, oh, about political life, about social life, cultural wow. life, arts life, all these other areas. Because it has no meaning for the recreation, for the, for, the, for the next age. There is a radical disconnect. Wow. And uh, you see how that uh, uh, causes major problems for Christian theology and the significance of Jesus' incarnation, his miracles that pointed to his restoration of everything, his healing miracles and so forth, his uh, resurrection, resurrection of the body. I mean, after all, if, we just, if the Christian life is just about the upper story spiritual level, you didn't need a physical resurrection. Jesus just could have had a spiritual resurrection because that was the greek idea the soul was a well, the body was a prison for the soul and in, because it was a lesser realm and this is why in act 17 people fail to understand why the greek scoffed when paul began to preach the resurrection in athens to the greek philosophers is they scoffed they laughed because to the greek mind with this bifurcated two-story uh, understanding of reality why would any god from the immortal realm want to resurrect the corpse pointless so the resurrection is jeopardized wow. by this uh departure and of course the ascension of christ to the right hand of god as a man today in heaven um is jeopardized and um david Andrew radically mauls romans 8 um as uh, instead of you know creation groaning longing for its liberation through the redemption of our bodies in this great restoration of all things for him is uh, somehow cre this creation giving way to something completely different and our bodies just happen to escape this world, uh, you know, as through a fire, um, rather than um, this being uh, the resurrection of our bodies being the culmination of the restoration of all creation. So you can see why they would be so negative about um, politics, a Christian engagement with politics, with law, with the state, with the arts and all these things, because... They have only a limited temporal significance, no eternal significance. Mm.
that was uh that was a that was a joint mic drop right there from all of us because uh, that was just wonderful and uh such important stuff all right joe i want to uh get people over to you to get some of your resources and support the work that you're doing so where can people go to get more resources from you so uh, our our website where you can ac- access um, you know uh, lectures and debates and uh, articles and uh, so on is www.ezrainstitute.ca ezrainstitute.ca um, and uh, our resources are available there, including uh, some of my books and um, and my latest book, The Mission of God. And then also, we would be delighted to send out to any of your listeners. Uh, our triannual journal, Jubilee, mm. um, uh, the uh, subtitle of which is Recovering Biblical Foundations for Our Time, and we send that out for free. So you can go online to our website, sign up for it, and we will send it to you for free three times a year. It's a triannual journal, and that will be hopefully a blessing and a resource to your, to your uh, listeners. That's awesome, Fantastic. Too. Yeah. That's good stuff, yeah. Well, uh, and uh, and Joe, you did say that the Mission of God is now available on Amazon, correct? Yes, no. yes, it is. It's available yeah. not, on, not, on not on Kindle. Kindle. Not Just, on Kindle. Okay. Yeah, the lower story one. The lower story. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think it's available in the digital ether of uh, the, there yet. We're sticking uh, yeah. to the to the creational structure down here. Well, with, well with Jesus owns paper. a digital world too, Joe. Yeah, he's got. He owns a digital world yeah. too. So. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You're right. It's visible and invisible. That's so, right. <laughs> you know, it's coming on Kindle soon. You just watch that. <laughs> All, right. All right. Oh man. Ooh. All right, guys. So now you know why I love Joe Boot, and uh, hopefully we'll be getting a lot more of him. And yes. uh, encourage you guys really to get the mission of God. It is worth its weight in gold, and I mean that. Uh, we're actually going to have. Apologia Church for some time now it's been some time coming uh, preparing for uh, our little mini Bible studies and small groups and as everyone gets together for, to fellowship and to eat together and to study we're going to be going through the mission of God as a church so we got Bob Inc Reform Dogmatics on, on Thursdays and we've got the mission of God Joe Boot big fat one uh, in I, our small groups I really want to do like a like a Blues Brothers like advertisement <laughs> for this and be like I'm reading the mission of Gad. Mission of Gad. <laughs> Back on mission. <laughs> All right, Joe. So thank you so much, brother. It's been a blessing, uh, and I uh, can't wait to do more with you, brother. So thank you. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. All right. God bless you, brother. God bless you. All right. So, hey, man. We knew. <laughs> we knew. We knew it. it was we worth did. the year wait. Yeah, Let's it was. Just say that. Yeah, it was. All right, it so was. Let's... Okay, I, I hope it was. Uh, I hope it was somewhere in the ballpark of what you were looking for. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Uh, all right, guys. God bless. Talk, Talk to you, to you later. All, all right, right. Bye now. So, what happened? Right. What just happened? You I mean, believe it now? You said you wouldn't believe it until he was actually Yeah, I, I didn't think he was going to come. We've been trying for a year to get him on. He's been like our big get. Yeah. Um, we've been trying. He's hard. We've actually had him scheduled a few times and had to cancel because he's just a busy man. Well, now... That's just next level stuff. Yeah. If I was too kingdom, like, I feel like I have to respond to that now. Yeah. Because well, that's it's like... It's important to do so. I mean, he's, he... I mean, I think the, the, the position that it undermines the importance of the incarnation is... Like, that's just... Wow. Yeah. yeah. And the resurrection, I mean, final resurrection. Yeah, and all of it. So this is obviously important stuff. And if you're listening to Apologia Radio for the first time, you're probably like, wow, that was heavy and deep. And yeah. and uh, maybe, maybe you know, 
it would be good for all of us to go back through that again and listen again and to think about consequences and think about scripture and think about the biblical worldview, think about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because uh, this is important stuff because it really does meet us in the world here and now. I mean, that's the point. Like, why, why talk about it? Because it's not about gymnastics. It's about what happens now in the world around us. It's about what happens to our kids and to our grandkids. It's what happens to our neighbor. I mean, this stuff really matters. It's big stuff. This is like a big ticket item, guys. This isn't a small ticket item. This is a big ticket item. It matters. It has implications and um, lasting effects. So I encourage you guys to listen to this again. Share it with somebody. Let them know. Get the live stream of ReformCon, reformcon.org slash live. Uh, don't forget to go to missionaware.com and get a shirt. They love us and support us, and so we like to, for you guys to get a t-shirt. Use the code Apologia, and you get a Apologia sticker. sticker. Yeah. And you guys can support um, us and join together with us in ministry uh, by becoming All Access. You and you'll see the video of this. Yeah, that's right. That's right. If you're on the radio right now, you can see the video of this, which has a lot of us hitting our heads on the desk. Yeah. Falling out of our chair, and we mm. did things. Ducking and covering. We did things that maybe you couldn't, you couldn't tell what we were doing because yeah. you're listening right now. So, <laughs> all access, you guys, seven dollars and ninety-five cent donation a month, and what that does is it allows us to function as a media outreach ministry to get the biblical worldview and the gospel to the ends of the earth through this ministry in the studio. So you join with us in all that we do, right. and the, so the radio is invisible, and the TV show right. is visible, right? And be part lo- of the invisible lower. and the visible. Right. Be the upper and lower. Yeah. <laughs> and check this out. We just dropped uh, this past week. Already has over 3,000 views. Actually, about 24 hours. 3,000 views. Our episode, TV episode we did with Vocab Malone from Urban Theologian Radio and Roosevelt Community Church. We did a show with him on the black Hebrew Israelites or known as the Hebrew Israelites. The Hebrew Israelites are nasty on the YouTube thread, man. Right. It was like immediately 70 like, comments. Like, like, yeah. Oh, did they really? I oh, didn't see man, that. They're, oh, they're already on nuts. it, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, 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 it's, and they're saying things like they're calling us Edomites. Oh, yeah. And it's the worst he says, stuff. You, he says, you Edomite devils. Yeah, yeah. Like, Sweet. I'm like, well, that's, there you go. It's like the really bottom rung of YouTube comment. Yeah. yeah. Like you would see on like any other video, but like they just all flock. Yeah. Did they call us hairy Esau's or anything? No, I didn't see the hairy yet, but There's I saw some the other vulgar stuff. I, just, on I there. saw eating my devils. But <laughs> so yeah, so we were able to drop that because there's not a lot of good Christian content no, on Black nothing. Hebrew Israelites on uh, YouTube. There's hardly any. There's hardly any. We looked for it. A lot of eat, lot of Black Hebrew Israelite content that they film from their perspective. It's all over the it's all over the internet, but. Uh, we dropped the television show and we're able to do that because we can produce this content because you guys are, are with us in this ministry. And so when you do it, you help us to do everything we're doing. You help us with this radio show. You guys participate with us in ministry. And uh, you get to get all the TV shows, the after shows, the academies, everything we're doing. And it's coming soon is a bunch of other academies that are going to blow your mind. Trust me. It's going to blow your mind. I got to pick the different things that are going to be filmed <laughs> and I was like a kid in a candy store okay let me say that so you're going to get like my oh. some of my personal picks and uh, I'm excited about it so that was Apologia Radio didn't even expect it to happen in the way that it did today wow. but we're glad that we, it did thank God for his goodness to us and his providence thank you Joe Boot for joining us in Apologia Radio Luke the Bear Peace out. Marcus, King Ginger. We got to set up that Horton and and Joe Boot debate, man. 
That would be good, right? Let's, let's get a hold of Horton. Send messages to Horton, and asking him to get debate. a, a yeah. debate between Joe Boot and Horton on and two Michael King, Horton on we'll, Two we'll King Theology. We'll have an apology of church. Yeah, that's right. Let's do it. That's right. right. Let's make it happen. All right, guys. We love and bless you guys, and thank you so much for everything you guys are doing to pray for us and to support this ministry. God bless you guys. We'll catch you guys next time. ApologiaRadio.com. ApologiaChurch.com. Want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tembe. Hey there, we are a family integrated church, so we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the Ministry Bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at apologiachurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. (laughs) Glory!